Hello, hello, welcome to the My Tribe podcast. I'm really excited to be here. I, I need to get into a better flow with these, and I think this is a good one to sort of jumpstart, hopefully, some momentum for me. Today, we have a really good friend of mine. His name is Pete Gillen. So, you know, I'll probably put this in the in the description, but if you know Pete Gillen, then you're 100% going to listen to this podcast because there's nothing better than listening to Pete and sort of being struck by Pete. And um, he's so contagious in so many good ways. So if you know Pete Gillen, I have no doubt that you're listening. If you don't know Pete Gillen, I promise that you will love him after this podcast. There's so much to him and there's so much to who he is. And, you know, he and I have been friends now for almost 20 years and we have a lot of great memories. And certainly, I'm actually recording this intro after having recorded my time with Pete. Certainly, we do spend some time going through some funny memories and and there's frankly a lot of them. Uh, But what's more important with Pete or to, to me about Pete is just how contagious he is as a human being. His enthusiasm, his positivity, his excitement. Anybody who knows him knows that it's not just that he's this way, it's that when we're with him, we become more that way as well. Um, He's also such a loyal guy, you know, to his friends and to his family and to those that he loves and, and that he gets close with. He's just, his loyalties, there's no bounds, there's no end to it. Uh, you know, the other stuff is also true. He's an incredible educator. He's principal of a middle school with over a thousand students. He's amazing at it. His staff would run for a wall, run through a wall for him. Um, and he's also a fantastic husband and dad. He's got four daughters. You know, we don't talk about that until the end of the podcast, but we do touch on it then. He's got four daughters under the age of 10, and he handles it with positivity and grace, and he's just fantastic at it. So like I said, you know, we do spend a lot of time in the beginning of this podcast reminiscing, but the real reason I wanted to record this podcast or, or, the, or the bigger reason was Pete's life was struck with unthinkable trauma when he was only 18 years old. He lost his little brother who was 15 at the time, his only sibling. And this is something I've known about Pete, but I've never really talked to him about it. And, you know, it's always been there that I need to learn about this, but I never wanted to ask him in a short way. I always wanted to get the whole story and ask him in a deep, long conversation. And that's what we use this podcast for, is for Pete to tell me, to tell us uh, about what happened to his brother, uh, and more importantly, about all the memories and wonderful times he had with his brother before that happened. So I hope you enjoy it, you know. As always, for me, after listening to him tell the story and after hearing him reflect on his memories, I admire him more than ever. I admire him more than ever. And I learned from him. I think you're going to learn in this podcast how to cope with pretty much the greatest tragedy you can imagine. Um, So I love this guy. He's the absolute man. Those of you that know him know I'm telling the truth. Those of you that don't, you'll be able to say all the same things as soon as you're done with this podcast. Psyched to have him here. Without further ado, my conversation with my man, Pete Gillen. All right. Well, the time is here. Welcome, Pete Gillen, to the My Tribe podcast. Timmy, an honor to be here. Thanks for having me. This is great. Yeah, man. I'm super excited. Um, You know, I just did a little intro about you, so I think the audience now knows how I feel about you as a human and as about our relationship. Um, but I'm thrilled to have you here, and you know, we're gonna we're gonna get into. I want to learn a lot about your brother, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but we got to start with some of our stuff, man. Yep. Um, we met um, at Forest Park Middle School. We were both sixth grade English teachers, if I recall correctly. Yep. And um, I was on Sixth Central. I was on Six South. I was introduced to you or by via Billy Holt, who taught next door. And uh, what did I, he teach? Math. He taught math. He was math. My student taught there for a couple of years before, um, before the full time gig. So if I was a student on Six South, I had a young Billy Holt, who's now a principal for mm-hmm. math, and I had a young Pete Gillen, who's now a principal for English. And your world couldn't be better as a result. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. 
Who, who are the science and social studies teachers? Barb Starks taught uh, taught social studies, and yep. uh, and Jim Morawski. Jim Morawski, that's Indelible right. Jim Morawski. Trish Morawski, I loved her. Her husband, that's awesome. Good people for sure. Um, I think that I taught. I want. I think I taught one year before you there. If or, or did we come in the same year? Did we have two years together there? I don't recall. My student teaching blurs together with me where I don't okay. I don't recall because Carol Fazio did not believe in in student teachers sitting and watching. It was get to work. So I'm not quite sure when that uh, I'm not quite sure. Okay. So I do remember noticing that there was another English teacher on sixth who looked young and was short, uh, <laughs> just like me, and quickly realizing that a bond would probably form. But if I recall correctly, the real first bond was the Poetry Club. Poetry Club was legendary. Years before that, legendary. Poetry Club, yes. Legendary. An indelible mark at Forest Park. I think, <laughs> I think even featured in the Springfield Republican. Did we get an article? I we think did. there was an article on we that. Did I think there was an article. article on that. If I recall right, Poetry Club was one day a week we would keep some kids up who liked poetry. They'd stay with us for lunch. Yep. And we would read and write poetry. And I also feel like it may have been that at least on my weeks, that I planned it about 10 minutes before <laughs> the kids walked up. I think that's uh, par for the course, yes. uh, a common thread. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the other thing I remember completely about Poetry Club is Michael Choquette and how yeah. intimidated I was by how smart he was. Yeah. Um, far smarter than me mm -hmm. at age 11. Mm -hmm. I had the same recollection of Daisy Kabachi. Oh, who was a man. wonderful student, I'm sure doing great things now, who just hit home runs in Poetry Club while I was dropping down bun singles. It was, ter <laughs> it was terrible. And I think, I think the aforementioned Mr. Holt would sit in the back and make comments uh, reminding us of that level of success. <laughs> I don't think he dove in on poetry. No, but he had a good time. He, he had a good time. He found the humor in it. He had a good time. <laughs> um, all right, so... Another memory that I have, which I'll never forget, is me, me and Nino. Mm -hmm. And first of all, your your best your best bud was Artie, mm -hmm. um, also known as Artie the One Man Party. Huge shout out to Artie. <laughs> um, I, I we both just admitted this, but I certainly had a little bit of a man crush on Artie and I on Nino for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. So he was I, a Yukon guy. I was a Yukon yeah. hoop guy, and I had stars in my eyes. No yes. question. No yeah. question. And just something hit right for me with Artie. Yep. Just something. He, every time I saw him, I was happy. I was just happy. I was happy to see. I never saw Artie at a time where I wasn't having a blast. Um, so, so anyways, if I if I recall correctly, it's a, it's the Super Bowl. It's a mm -hmm. Sunday night. Mm -hmm. Definitely have to work the next day. Yep. Definitely teaching. And Della drops me and Nino off. Mm -hmm. She probably comes up. I don't recall to hang out for a little bit of the Super Bowl, but she's probably made it clear I am not staying. Yep. At this college type mm -hmm. frat house. And we were out of college, but we, yeah. we behaved as if it was a yeah, college frat you were, house. You were still in that really yep. quick out of college yep. where it, 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 the line is blurred. 20 nothing. I don't know what <laughs> yeah, I line. couldn't tell you. The line is blurred. And um, I believe believe we brought a Captain Morgan handle. I think so. Which for me was the like, I'm, I'll be fine the next day, um, beverage of choice. And uh, I was not fine <laughs> the next day. It's one of the all. greatest Super Bowl parties that Dickinson Street in Springfield yes. has ever seen. Just off the X. I think there were 40 people there. I'm not quite sure how that happened. <laughs> I'm not quite sure I talked to any of them besides you, Nino, and Art. Yeah, we sat in a corner while the Super Bowl was on like a four-inch TV. <laughs> it was Steelers and somebody. That's right. It was the TV. TV. The TV was not big <laughs> enough for anybody's Super Bowl party, but we happened to make it. We decided we're doing this anyway. We did it kind of potluck style. We all served. I don't, I don't, I'm not quite sure what happened, but I also remembered not watching the Super Bowl and there being a lot of people in my house. A lot of people. Uh, you, and, and one, I, I believe, I'm going to take it down this I think one of your current PE teachers, Karen Perkins, may have been there. May have been there. I think wow. she may have been at that because her buddies lived downstairs. Okay. And she may have been in attendance at said Super okay, Bowl party. They run that by her. I don't recall. <laughs> Uh, I do, I do vaguely remember telling Della we're just going for the first half. Mm -hmm. You can pick us up at halftime, and then the mm -hmm. text probably began. And you know, I didn't. We didn't go anywhere. Well, we I think anywhere. we just sat in a corner and like <laughs> ate lasagna out of a pot and <laughs> ripped shots and played cards and and yelled. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
if I recall correctly. Oh, but again, that's a little hazy. That's a little hazy. That's a little hazy. But that was a classic, <laughs> classic Super Bowl. And uh, you you mentioned, if you don't mind sharing, mm -hmm. um, I had completely forgotten that we watched a big Mets playoff game because you're a huge Mets. Uh, yeah, fan. big Mets fan. I love the Mets. Big Mets fan. I love the Mets. It was one of the more touching moments, uh, touching moments for me. And a big, uh, you know, um, component. I think what makes you so great is 06 Mets. Mets had the team, man. That was it. Um, Lynn and I, my wife, uh, actually had gone to one of the NLCS games early in the series against the Cardinals. And it's uh, it comes down to Game Seven. It's at Big Shea, and uh, I think Art was my still my roommate. Shockingly, <laughs> shockingly. Now we've moved to Sumner Ave. <laughs> I think the same landlord. Big move. Big I think move. the same landlord even. <laughs> and uh, Art's in Cincinnati doing his rotations for his work, so I got the apartment myself. And and Lynn and I did not live in the same uh, even the same state as you know. And um, it's NLCS Game Seven at the ND Chavez, the big the big catch. Uh, the Mets end up losing, but before that game, you asked like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm just gonna watch the game," and I don't know, how, I don't know what you had to maneuver. I knew you had other stuff going on that night. I'm not, I'm not even quite sure what it is. So I'm not gonna guess. But you sent a text that was like, "Nobody watches an elimination playoff game of their team alone." Coming over, bringing a couple nice. of beers, and we came over and watched uh, watch Carlos Beltran look at strike three with the bases juiced oh. in the bottom of the ninth. Oh, is that how it ended? And that's how it ended. And it was sort oh. of like a. Sorry, man. I gotta go to work next day. <laughs> that really sucked. <laughs> but the, but the but the moment stuck. And I, I, as I think I've shared with you, you know, when Lynn and I lived, we started dating. We when we met, we lived out of state. She in the Saratoga area, me in the Springfield Springfield. And I, I love all things Springfield. Um, really struggled with where to live and where do we settle down and where um, where do we make our home in a big. A big push, and you're and you even tagged it like you do all things. Get a slogan, the like, uh, Keep Pete and Springfield initiative um, worked out, and it was a big reason why it worked out was because of you and Della and um, and Nick Fournier and uh, and and the crew of guys and, and gals that just um, helped create this bond, dating all that all the way back to whatever early early two thousands where we. Where Lynn and I were able to like, there's there's a community here. Yeah. There's friends here. There's there's a start here, and it's perfect because it's in between, right in between, uh, both her folks and my folks. So um, that was great. Yeah, and um, speaking of Lynn, mm -hmm. um, she would go on the mirror in the miracle category, correct? Absolutely. Um, she, uh, I remember um, we used to have the parties at Rockland Street. Mm -hmm. And um, always, always fun. Yep. You were at a lot of those. And uh, I remember in the garage where we had ping pong, I remember after one party, you wrote your name on the garage wall yeah. in case Mary Kate ever wanted to give you a call. You put yeah. your phone number. I was hoping that nobody would remember that. Yeah. I really appreciate you sharing that. So, But the point of that story is I felt your pain because... For guys like you and I, you know, I don't know what you are, but I'm five, six and a half. Five, six and a quarter yeah, right here. Five, six and a half. <laughs> um, I guess someday we'll have to go back to back. <laughs> but, um, you know, we, I like to think we have a lot of enthusiasm and personality. It's about what I bring to the table. Yeah, yeah. but we're not Tom Cruise. We're not short and look, nope. good, looking good like Tom Cruise. So nope. um, I remember when Lynn entered your life and you, you knew. It was much like when mm -hmm. Della entered mine where mm -hmm. you were just like, Okay, gotta just lock this down. Mm -hmm. There's just mm -hmm. no messing around with this. Mm -hmm. This has to. There was a lot of from from you and from from almost anybody at Rockland Street. There was a lot of, hey, you better rock this up. Yeah. Rock this up, you a fool. Yeah. Like, yeah. What's your problem, man? <laughs> yeah, it was. There was not. There was not time for dealing down <laughs> when the right one came along for the five. I heard that group. from a lot of people. Yeah. Like, hey, man, you you have hit your peak and you need to recognize it now. And. Lynn is absolutely amazing, um, and uh, so glad you guys found each other, and so glad Springfield worked out. Because, by the way, also, if not for Springfield having worked out, you, then you wouldn't have been one of the inaugural members of the RTTC, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Richie Tenenbaum Tennis Club. Yeah, and I, when that, the inaugural member, Pete, like, let's get into, you needed uh, an even number of guys, and... 
from what I recall, you had an odd number of guys. I remember that it was nine nine guys, and you call up and go, yo, man, I'm starting this tennis league. You want in? And I'm like, tennis, come on. I was a collegiate athlete. How hard could this nonsense be? <laughs> of course I'm in. I'm going to dominate you people. Um, and the first guy that I, that I played in this league, I believe, was Kramer, Adam Kramer. And we played... <laughs> Who is by the far the best? Kramer, if you're out there, you're yeah. the, the most elite tennis player yeah, that I've ever seen in my life. Sorry. Um, it's all right. And we play at um, Neil Diamond night at the uh, East Longmoto High School with about 500 senior citizens sitting around the tennis court. And even at that point, I'm like, who's this guy? Come on. What are we going to do here? <laughs> and it took about four minutes and three tennis balls launched into Neil Diamond night. Oh, that's over the court, not at Kramer, over the court, where Kramer was like, hey, man, uh, how about we just call this a win for me? And I I show you a couple of techniques. I'm like, God, I'd really appreciate that. <laughs> I'd really appreciate that. Thanks, man. And that was how I entered RTTC. I'm gonna, I dare to say I was hustled. Yeah. I think I was hustled. <laughs> oh, listen, we were starting a tennis club, and we were looking for fun guys. It was meant to be play some tennis, have a beer, potentially meet a new, yep. new dude. And all that accomplished. You know, we're all young dads, and it was just about... And you, you fit. You fit the mold. We just, we, you know, unofficially, you may have also been what led to the D-League. There's the no D doubt. There's no doubt that you needed division. to create a separate division of, of uh, mutants because I couldn't hang with any of the other nine guys, all of whom who had touched a tennis racket before. I had to go pull it out of, like, Lynn's garage. Like, I'm playing tennis with these clowns. I, I ran track. I'm going to be fine. And Lynn was like, but you know this is different, right? Stop. Why are you like, come on, I'm, I'm going to be great. And within about six minutes, Adam Kramer destroyed any sense of racket sports that I'll ever listen, have again. Listen, as the person who scheduled, that was a bad, that was a great scheduling move, personality-wise. Yeah, he's you one of the Kramer, best dudes in the world. Yeah, Love yeah, that guy. Great guy. <laughs> terrible scheduling-wise. Um, skill level. Skill level. Terrible. I'm sure Kramer, I'm sure you went home being like, what have I done? And I'm sure Kramer went home being like, what have I done? He, we, talk, we talked about it like a couple, I don't want to say a couple months ago, it's not true, like about a year ago or so ago where we finally came and he was like, hey man, can I ask you, was that you? Because yeah. I remember it cannot have been you. And I'm like, no, man, that was me. That was me. Uh, well, listen, despite the first loss, you went on to be the inaugural winner of the RTTC Spirit Award, mm -hmm. um, which was—it's it, a huge award. That certificate hangs in my principal's office. It is—if you come in for a parent conference, it's the first thing you see. Not my doctoral diploma. Not kidding. Not my doctoral diploma. None of the none of the other nonsense. Spirit Award. I'm an award-winning tennis player. Oh, it's amazing. It's unbelievable. You are. You are. That's right. And I think you also won the best email award. It was a group season. email. I just had a, a contribution at the end to what I thought was the ridiculousness of it. And there was no place for that in what I knew to be the iteration of RTTC. Yes, that absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. Well, you've been a great, you've been a great addition to the RTTC for many years now, um, and I'm glad we could build the D League around you. It did. I still get my ass. Did you ever get a win? I I have a career record of like three and seventy. Three and not, but I'm I won the last one. I might even hang it up, so I hang it up with a, a W one in the column. <laughs> well, I, three and seventy is not an exaggeration. I really think it's something like that. Yeah, it's, I'm terrible. I mean, I'm not blown away by the seventy. I'm blown away by the three. I got well, two of them were against the same guy. Okay, I, I, we'll, okay. we won't even, we won't mention him out of respect. Out of respect. <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's a he's a great man. I'm running a basketball camp this week, and I've had at least two young children say to me, do you know my dad? And then I look at their last name, and I go, oh, yeah, he's in the, the RTTC. <laughs> and it's so classic that they know that, um, and that I didn't know that mm -hmm. when they registered. Um, so anyways, man, it's been, um, it's been awesome knowing mm -hmm. you the last 20 or so years, and uh, you're a great friend, great person, great educator. So... Uh, Thanks for joining here. Appreciate it. Thanks I for appreciate joining it. My here. pleasure, man. So um, I wanted to relive some stuff like that, but I, when I first broached this with you, one of the things, the, the real reason I wanted to do this um, was also because very early in your life, um, I believe you were in college, and I'll have mm -hmm. you tell us the facts in a minute, but you lost your only sibling, your mm -hmm. little brother. Um, and it's bothered me that, you know, we kind of became friends in the party stages mm -hmm. of our 20s, um, we, we both certainly were there for each other as we navigated some of that transitioning mm -hmm. and then we became fathers and mm -hmm. 
So in all the hanging out and all the nice talks we've had, I've never really asked you much about your brother. Mm -hmm. um, so that is what I'd like to do now. I'm, um, I'm for it. It's a, th uh, you know, my brother's name is Mark, and it's, um, it's, it's something I'm comfortable talking about. Um, it, it's, uh, I often find myself avoiding um, talking about him out of fear of making other people feel uncomfortable, mm -hmm. especially because it's such a common question to ask somebody, right? Like, oh, hey, you got any siblings? Where'd you grow up? All that bit. Yeah. And that's a question that it can be loaded. It's often so innocent, but the response can be can make the other person feel loaded with guilt that I often uh, avoid the topic as I, as I know that that's not their intention. So yep. I'm certainly comfortable about it, but the, the reason I don't speak about it much is... Uh, is because of that, just yeah. not making others feel uncomfortable. I am, um, I, I feel quite comfortable. So his name was Mark. Mm -hmm. um, how old was he when he passed? Mark was 15 years old when he passed away. I was 18. Uh, my freshman year at Springfield College, um, and I'm forever grateful to Springfield College for having been there instead of Xavier University in Cincinnati or Sacred Heart even in, in Southern Connecticut, which are the other two spots that I was thinking of. It was really close to going to Xavier. And I love Xavier. I loved everything about it. But there's just something that said it's a little too far. And mm -hmm. if I'd been in Cincinnati on January 30th, 2001, instead of Springfield, Mass., and if I'd been at a larger Division One school instead of a, the small family that is Springfield College, I think my entire track would have been different. But because I was where I was on January 30th of 2001, um, I was able to grieve and heal in a much more healthy way. So yeah. he was 15, I was 18, a freshman in college. And on January 30th, you were back at school at that mm -hmm. point? Yeah, we're mm -hmm. back at school at that mm -hmm. point. Um, and it was a car accident, right? Yep. yep. Um, and anything you can share about? Of course. Uh, my brother was a hockey player and a, a damn good one. Uh, he was a sophomore. So at 15, he's a sophomore. And we talked about our height as a as a high school sophomore. He was pushing six one. Really, and still growing. And I don't, Come where, on. I don't know where it came from. Uh, well, my mom's tall, yeah. um, but six one as a sophomore was pretty tall. He's he, yeah. he, he a big kid, um, and he um, had gone from sitting a bench as a freshman and uh, getting some garbage time on the varsity team as a goalie to uh, as a sophomore jumping right into he worked his ass off to splitting varsity time and getting some big varsity minutes and. Um, was probably headed to play low-level D1 wow. ice hockey. Wow. Um, and so it's at hockey practice in, uh, in a neighboring town, at a neighboring rink on the, on the night of the 30th where a little bit of snow, a little bit of ice on the ground, um, everybody's doing the right thing. There's a, they're leaving hockey practice late at night and uh, one coach driving in the front, one coach driving in the back and a caravan um, of the student drivers My in goodness. between. And uh, my brother was not the driver. My brother was a passenger. He was uh, wearing a seatbelt. Nobody was drinking. Nobody was speeding. Nobody was doing anything they shouldn't be doing. Mm. Just bad luck. It hit a hit a patch of black ice. A car swerved off the road and um, and just caught a tree the right way. And the uh, the hockey coach, the head coach, who was I, I believe I don't, I don't recall if he was at the, I wasn't, if he was at the front or the back of the caravan, um, but clearly folks saw the accident. Everybody stopped and the. Um, Coach is a PA and um, and came out and declared him dead on the scene and it was his it was his varsity coach that um, oh my God. that called nine one one and um and, and and started making those phone calls and knew right away um, what he came upon um it just just terribly ter terribly sad and tragic and um and 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 no one's fault and yeah. I don't I don't know if that's easier or harder I I, I don't know yeah but um but nobody's fault. I can imagine that the hockey coach, that could, mm -hmm. you know, obviously, but. Yeah, he handled that. Uh, it's not something you sign up for as a coach. Yeah. You and I both coach. Yeah. Uh, and coached high school athletes for me, and you still do for yourself. It's not something you sign up for. Um, but if somebody were to write a textbook on how to handle that really horrible situation, it would have been that guy. He, uh. he could not have been um, better to our family. He could not have been a better person and handled it with more class and humility than he did um, and because as you know it's not just my family and it's not just my brother but you also got a team of high school kids yeah that you, you still got to continue to work with and still got to continue to be a mentor and example and I, I just cannot imagine how he did it but he did it beautifully mm. Mm. and how did you um find out or what what do you remember about that day i remember that vividly i remember it really 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 vividly um 
I had an 8 a.m. class. I don't know if you know Father Leo. Father Leo was the, was the priest at, uh, at Springfield College. Taught okay. all kinds of classes. A wonderful, wonderful man. Everything you're looking for in, um, in a mentor and a professor. And I admittedly was thinking about skipping that 8 a.m. class. It was early, and Leo was handing out A's. Yeah. Like, let's be real. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you could be there. I'm not sure he read anything we wrote in the final. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I was like, ah, I'm exhausted. So I went. Uh, but I, I went and went to class um, because it's just it's just what I did, and and Lee was not really teaching. He's up there pontificating about uh, a, a similar car accident that had occurred in the area recently, and everybody in the room was kind of looking around like, what the hell does this have to do with what we're supposed to be learning here? It had nothing to do with it. My folks had contacted Leo early, early, early in the morning, and Leo knew that he had me in eight a.m., and he was, what he was doing was prepping. Um, some things that he would want me to remember before <coughs> he broke the news to me. Oh, my goodness. Um, and it wasn't him. That he, he didn't have to break the news to me alone. Um, and so I'm walking out of class, and he pulls me aside, and he was like, hey, I'd like to see you in my office in an hour if you don't mind. I want to talk to you about helping out at the soup kitchen. I was like, Leo, like, wait, what soup kitchen? Like, <laughs> yeah. what are you talking about, man? There's no way I'm going to this. Um, but how do you say no to Father Leo, right? Yeah, of course, um, yeah. So uh, just by chance, if, if it would have been another age, it, it, there's no cell phone at that yeah. time. The internet is not what it is now. I had AIM, Instant Messenger. Yeah. And because I was thinking about skipping that class, I hadn't turned my computer on and hadn't turned my AIM on. So I didn't see any messages. My parents were very concerned that I was going to find out from somebody else and not, and they not have the, the opportunity to tell me directly. And so through a little bit of good fortune... Um, that happened. I went to Leo's office because how do you say no to him at, at 9 a.m.? And I should have known right away and I didn't pay attention. It was empty. And if it, it was, it's like walking into a restaurant at the Godfather. Yeah. If you were paying attention, you knew something was up. Yeah. Leo's office was never empty. It was always a hub. And it was just me and him. And we're sitting in his office talking about absolute nonsense. And I'm getting frustrated because why am I why here, am man? I, yeah. I got stuff to do. And I look out from the window coming down the steps into where his office was, and I see my parents walking down the steps. Oh, my God. And I know right away. I, I know right away. They're not... Wow. They're, they're, they, I, I, I know right away. And um, they came in, and they shut the door, and Leo uh, Leo has them, uh, you know, says, Pete, you know, it tells me a car accident last night, and, um, and my parents together were the ones that told me what happened. And, um, and, we, and we break down there, and... Um, and cry and sob and all of that. Um, and it was brutal. Uh, it was brutal. I I don't know, and again, I talk about Springfield College, I don't know how people found out. Um, but we sat in his office for a long time. Yeah. An hour, two, I don't know. Um, talking, processing, my parents telling me specifically what happened and sharing the, the details of the accident and how they, you know, what they had to do and how they got the call and, oh, uh, um, and then members of the, the track the track team start showing up at Leo's office. And the, the cross-country team starts showing up at Leo's office. I have no idea how they found out. Mm. I don't know who told them. I, I, I have no idea. But talk about team. And, and people that uh, people that don't know how much um, that meant to me, and I know to my folks, came and just showed up and gave hugs and, and, and talked um, and stopped and, and comforted my parents. People who had never met them, to, you know, college kids who never met them, were giving my my mom and dad a hug and telling my parents, "It's going to be okay. We're going to yeah. take care of him here. Where else is that going to happen? It's not going to happen yeah, at a huge no, school." No, no. You know? I agree. I agree. Um, and so that was that. I I made the decision right from there. I believe it or not, I decided not to go home with my parents. I knew what was, uh, you know, they talked. We're going to plan a service. We're going to, you know, we're going to pick out a coffin and all those kinds of things and. Um, and I surprised them and said, I'm not going. I, I, I'm going to stay here for a couple of days and get my head on straight. And I knew that I, I needed to do that. And I sat with Leo and I sat with some teammates and just processed and got myself ready to go home. Um, and then my uncle my uncle Jim came up a couple of days later and drove me down. And, um, so I didn't go home right away. I stayed at Springfield College. And I think they were. I think my parents were really surprised to be driving out of there without me. Yeah. Um, but in the long, long run, I think it was it was a really wise call on my part. It yeah. allowed me to process the trauma um, in gradual stages instead of um, all at once. Yeah, and I was able to respond a little in a little more healthy way. Wow. And for the service, did you have to speak, or did you? Didn't have to. Okay. Didn't have to, but I did. Okay. Um, so you did speak. I did. Wow. I gave the I gave the eulogy, um, and I 
oh man, I mean, we did the wake the night before, and goodness, man, like, I don't know what the, the wake was like, like what wakes are, right? Like one to three, and then like five to seven, or yeah. whatever, or two to four, or something like that. And we, the door, we opened the doors an hour early at one o'clock. And the last person left at nine, oh and they were supposed God. to have left at seven. Yeah. Um, and my mother was like, "You're not closing this door." Like every, every and it, to me, it was it was it was a I don't want to say a blizzard because that might be an exaggeration, but it was snowing. Oh. It was it was ten degrees out, and people stood in line for hours. Oh my God! And hours and and people from Springfield College, hockey teams of players that I've, of people that didn't know my brother. Yeah, um, all came, and so the service was the next day. Church was packed, and. Um, and I gave the eulogy, and it's funny. I go back and I reread the eulogy. My folks have it framed in, in our home, and um, it, it, as a piece of writing, it's terrible. <laughs> it's you know, but it wasn't meant to be written yeah. read. It was uh, I wrote um, I wrote uh, you know I think sort of what I thought. I wrote how um, I loved him, and still do, and how you know just some funny memories how, how we were different, you know. Uh, one of the ones that sticks out to me is my buddy Will Figueroa, my best buddy in high school, and I took him to teen night at the local nightclub um, when he was old enough. And my folks finally said yes. And, um, you know, Will and I are too cool for school. We're standing in the corner picking out chicks. And, you know, and my brother's on the dance floor at 13, 14, I don't know, I don't even, 14 years old, just dancing a storm up, um, and got so exhausted he sat in a stool in the middle of the dance floor, fell asleep. Because he was so tired and we had to take him home. Like I told that story as a component. Yeah, like, that's awesome. Shouldn't we all be that way? Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. And um, so and, and that got a that got a good reaction. And it was then that I, it was then that I broke down. I think I, I held it together pretty good through the wake and through my father taking me to the casket and uh, you know privately before all that, I held it together pretty good. And when the eulogy was over, it was time to walk out of that packed church, full of people. To me, people came from out of country out yeah. of state people I'd never met before my college roommate Mike Gruber um, like how does that guy process it yeah, like, yeah. And he he drove down from Springfield College and, and stood I, I, re, I remember his yellow jacket and he stood in the back and he was just gave me a little uh, man that man didn't have to do that yeah. he didn't know me from a hole in the wall um, I remember those and I just sobbed coming out of the church on the way up pushing the uh, pushing the casket and I, I, rem, I remember that vividly I remember um you know that that experience I could uh, you know what's the what's the the line from Field the Dreams the memories are so thick yeah. you gotta brush them away I yeah. I could brush them away that week um, that week I could I, I could feel I, you know, I um, and I asked Lynn permission to mention this like my my girlfriend we had been dating at Springfield College two months yeah at college you know and like she came down for all that yeah like, and she was that's how she met my family mm. and she was in like the second row and all like and how do you what, what a wonderful person yeah to sit there and do that that early in a very in a relationship that didn't work out but uh, what a kind of gesture yeah that I, that I recall vividly to this day and how, how much that meant to me yeah um well, that's amazing, man. That's why I wanted to do this because I knew that there was so much here that I did not understand. Um, and that story of Father Leo, um, that's, I think it's so cool that, cool is not the right word, but it, it's cool that it happened pre all the cell phone stuff mm -hmm. so that you could have this much more memorable, natural way to find out with your parents there too. Because, you know, nowadays... My parents talk about it all the time. It would have been yeah. what a different world. Yeah. What a different world it would have been. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know me. I went to Wheaton, similar size to Springfield, and um, you've seen my friendships mm -hmm. there. And I to I just totally agree with you. Uh, mm -hmm. The little schools just wrapped their arms around you. Um, would you have ran at Xavier? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yep. Yep. Probably. Um, uh, would have had to be a little more serious about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but coming out of high school would have been a, a, a low level D one. Yeah, I would have I would have run cool. there. I wouldn't have set any records or would have uh, would have been middling at best. But yep. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's sort of the story of how it happens and how you know you found out and getting through, like you mm -hmm. said, a week that you'll never forget. Um, Let's do some fun Mark stuff mm -hmm. from pre all this. Mm -hmm. um, I love the falling asleep on a bar stool story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, give me another one. Give me something cool you remember, either a story or an attribute. 
um, from growing up. I'm not sure how this happened. The Gillen, you know, the Gillens are competitive by nature. I know that might shock you, but Easter, um, it, would, it was a typical Easter for uh, for any family until Mark and I hit like high school, yeah, late middle school, where you've sort of moved beyond the basket and the and the candy portion, and it's sort of um, uh, you know, a little more routine. Where my folks, they escalated that and said, "Well, we're gonna we're gonna be like Emerald Lagasse. We're gonna kick this up a little bit," and the, you know, they would take our Easter baskets and our Easter eggs, and to say that they hid them in difficult places would be the understatement of the century. <laughs> like I'm, I'm talking like inside the lawnmower engine in the shed out back, <laughs> like. It just, I mean, they must have had some laughs late at night hiding. And we were old enough to know, like, this is what it's going to be. Game on. Like, and we turned it into, like, dude, like, I know there, there's no prize. Like, yeah. there was no Hershey bar. There was no T-shirt. But there was always an odd number of eggs. Yeah. And I, I wonder, like, what my folks' recollection or, or you know, how much they must have laughed at uh, at seeing, like, two high school kids. Like, we beat the hell out of each other. <laughs> uh, like, pushing and shoving and all, like, and just intense. And it would go on for, like, two hours, three yeah. hours, trying to find nine Easter eggs. <laughs> and I remember, I rem- talk about thick man, I remember the last one, the last one of the last Easter. So I'm a, I'm a senior in high school, and he's a sophomore in high school. Uh, or or maybe a freshman, and it's outside, in in some elevated branch in some tree, and I see it before he does, and I'm faster than he is, yeah. and I am hammering. I got it. This is it. But as I mentioned, he's six one, yeah, and he don't have to jump. <laughs> and so like, there's this vivid me- of him just grabbing that egg, uh, and like he was not like I'm a little more uh, you know spirited and a little more. Uh, high enthusiasm. He was a soulful guy, and he kind of gave like a little Matumbo finger yeah. wag. Like, <laughs> I don't think so, player. Um, and that was the that was. It's a beautiful thing because that's the last Easter that we had together. And what a cool way. The Easter egg hunts, man. They 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 weren't fun. They were. It, it was game on. It was, it was the most on. intense thing. <laughs> Ain't nobody here for fun. We're here to. <laughs> That was awesome. It, it, it just sort of reflected the difference of our our personalities, but how we got along pretty good. It was it was great. That's so unique. Uh, that's so unique. <laughs> what was it like you being a senior? He was at the same school as you, right? Yep. Yep. So you're a senior. He's a freshman. What was that like? It was it was awesome. We um like like any group of siblings, we like we disagreed or had fights or whatever. Like anybody, we did, but. For whatever reason, um, by the time I was a senior, and he was, he and he would, it never bothered him. Like he, he was always cool, and I was yeah. always elevated. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but by the time I was a senior, like you're beyond worried about this stuff. I loved having my brother in school yeah. with me. I love. He ran on the track team and the cross country oh, team, cool. um, and only did track and cross country as a means of getting in shape for hockey. Like yeah. I got I, I want to be a varsity goalie, and and, and I'm going to go to work and do something in that. Oh, he's a goalie. Wow. Yeah. All right. Um, and um, and as a freshman was not very good and ran and ran and ran. Both the New Milford hockey team and the cross country team um, in the state of Connecticut were elite, and I say yeah. that without exaggeration. So to make those varsity teams is really hard. And he did it. He did that for both of them. I loved it. I, I we we got along great in high school. It was fun. We, we had different groups of friends, but we got along with each of those groups of friends. And um, by the time high school came around, it was, we enjoyed it. And man, thank God for that. Yeah. Isn't there a lesson that if we had spent those last couple of years sniping at each other about nonsense? I think it, it, it would have been even more difficult, but we got along pretty good yeah. um, and had a lot of fun together. So that's fantastic. Um, what about uh, let's let's go back further to like uh, grade school or you mm-hmm. know as far back as you can go. What are some of your first memories or first stories? Uh, I you know we we, um, we my cousin John lived with us for a while, and I. Um, we just we had a great neighborhood going up and growing up. Um, we're in the pool all the time with uh, with the kids in the neighborhood. Um, kick the can at night, flashlight tag at night every night, basketball, baseball, just a great neighborhood. Oh, awesome. Sort of that that Americana um, that my folks worked really really hard to make sure that we had worked really hard to make sure we got that. Um, and so those those moments, um, it's just playing in the backyard and um, and and being little kids and. Um, like you know, we like I said, like anybody. We, I remember I broke his finger one time because I was mad at him, um, 
I don't know. He was in elementary school, and I was probably in middle school, the young middle school. Yeah. And and he was cool about it. Like, don't worry, like we'll, don't worry about. It. We want to tell mom and dad. Like, and so we made a splint out of like <laughs> a broken pencil that I taped together with scotch tape. And he was like, "Don't worry, they're never gonna know. I won't rat on you, man." And like, I don't remember if it was my mother uh, or father that came home. Like, in like in three seconds, we're like, "Yeah, man, your fingers the size of your face." Like, what? what <laughs> What happened? Let's get this. Let's get this thing looked at. Um, um, such a hot, that's such a hockey player yeah. too. Like, like we're before. fine. Let's just take this up, man. Yeah. Don't talk about it. We're fine. Um, I we we travel. I remember going to hockey tournaments and going around. And I had this big stupid blue uh, horn that, um, of you like did. you know, you get like at a parade or something. And like, and I'm like the the ten year old kid blowing the big horn at like the bantam hockey game in Pauling, New York. That's got twelve spectators going nuts because my brother's in goal. How obnoxious! But but man, I loved it. Um, actually, I got tossed out of one of his high school games <laughs> um, for having that horn. Um, and um, uh, so you know those kinds of things. We're traveling around. We just we did all kinds of. All kinds of stuff together, baseball and, um, and 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 getting into him when he was running and following his hockey career was just was awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, that's very cool, and I love. I just love that you had a little brother who, when you broke his finger, was like, "Don't don't worry about it, man. We'll, we'll hide this." Like, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I would not have been the same yeah, way. I would have been like, "Yo, man, I got you." Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. But but you you do. I, you know, you inspire that in people, and I, I know a lot of p- people on your staff, and they would run through a wall for you, which is not common for mm-hmm. a principal, and uh, I love that. I love that the beginning of your life had someone like that in it, uh, which is mm-hmm. which is not surprising either. Um, what about, like, a characteristic of Mark? Something, uh, not necessarily a story, but just sort of mm-hmm. an attribute or something about Mark that you've remembered or that you've taken with you? Yeah, I, it, that's that one's real simple. I even keep a little memento in my office to remind. I would call it quiet grit. Mm-hmm. My brother had tenacious grit. My brother would not be outworked, but he wouldn't tell you about it. Yeah. And he would, and he would even maybe even be a little bit unsure about it, so as not to advertise it. But um, he, no matter whether it was academic or athletic or even social. Um, he had he had grit like a lot of people had, but he had quiet grit, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't. There was no there was no braggadocious nature. There was it was he was, he's sort of like he and I sort of like yin and yang. Like we fit together really well, but we had two different styles. And I even to this day, even to this day, I'm like I need to have a little bit more of that style sometimes. Mm-hmm. That and I have a thing in my office to remind me of that uh, about quiet grit. Everybody has grit. No, I don't say everybody. A lot of people have grit, but a lot of people want you to know they have grit. Yeah. And 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 real grit is nobody's looking, and I don't have to advertise it. And I'm gonna eat work even when it's, um, even when there's nothing in the, uh, it's when, even when it's not being celebrated. Um, that was him, and that's a. That, that, it, it was. It it, it took. You would wake up one day and go, "Yo, man, Mark Gillen, where he come from?" Yeah. And um and coaches would comment on that. Teachers would comment on that. And it was that, it was that way that he carried myself. Where I think my, my folks instilled in us that same grit, but where my style was like, I'm gonna tell you I'm working, yeah. and, I, and you're gonna see that I'm working. I yeah, want yeah, you to yeah. know I'm working because I want everybody else to be working too. Where uh, his style was a little, was a lot different, and I think he would have ended up uh, a captain of that hockey team for that same reason. His teammates really started to know where this kid come from. Yeah. Um, and oh my goodness, we can count on him in net. And do some really big things, um, and and how that happened. Yeah, it wasn't that way last year, um, and so that was a really respected quality that, that I still take too. Yeah. Um. Do you have? Do you have like obviously you have your parents, and the three of you have common Mark memories, mm-hmm. and you know I, not sure if you talk about them all the time or rarely, mm-hmm. but either way, at least you know you can. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody else? Did he have like a best bud, or do you have oh, cousins, yeah. or like? Yeah. There... My, oh yeah, yeah. My cousin John lived with us for a while. We, we were three amigos for a good bit, um, for sure. And um, and he had a good group of friends in high school. Some really really nice kids, um, guys and girls, and um, and they were um, were and are wonderful wonderful people. And they um, were so beautiful about about Mark's friends. Uh, like I'm away at college, and so my folks, God, uh, uh, they went from 
Um, they, they turn into empty nesters overnight, literally overnight. Yeah. And and my and Mark's friends wouldn't let that happen. And so every Thursday night they came, uh, wouldn't come and would watch Survivor. A crew of them, and my parents would, you know, cook dinner, order pizzas, whatever it is. Yeah. And 15, 20 kids would show up every Thursday oh. night without fail, and just sit and watch Survivor, and have some laughs. And they, you know, they branded themselves like the Survivor crew or the Thursday crew or whatever it is that, um, you know, I don't recall the specific name, but um, and and, and Timmy, I'm talking for years, would come and do that for years, would wow. come in, well into their own college experience. Um, and my folks went to some of their weddings, and yeah. Um, I, I couldn't be more grateful and appreciative. Um, and I didn't really um, get to know them as well as he does because I was gone, you know. I, I was, and he was developing his own friends and his own circle. I wasn't there. My crew had, my crew had gone and, and spread and left. So um, yeah, that was just a beautiful, beautiful thing um, that just shows the character some really great people. Yeah, yeah, wow. Um, the... Um you know, another question I have is sort of, well, let me ask you first. Any other stories? Any other stories? Yeah, I don't know. Of course. I, you or, know, or memories. Or... Uh, I, 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 all, all kinds. I, I try to think of, like, what are the real hallmark ones? I, I went to the grave site first. Because he couldn't, be, he couldn't be buried in the winter. It was too cold. The ground was frozen, and he had to wait till spring. And so before that happened, I went and I, and I don't know if my parents even know. I went and lied down on the plot, so that, that way I would go first. Oh, as my man. my own kind of little thing, Jesus. and nobody else was there. Um, not in the plot, like there was no hole. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm on the grass. Um, and I, um, so I, I did some things like like that. Um, and and I would say that that. Proudly, and I think I, I think I would have known that I needed to go, but my parents and Leo, I think, partnered, and were like, "The kid's gonna be gone at college," um, and we know there's great people, you know, great great people that are gonna be there. Artie, my buddy Eric, my buddy Brian, um, uh, my buddy Shannon, just great great people that are gonna be there to take care of me. But like, he needs somebody to make sure he's okay. So I went to counseling every day for at least every excuse me every Tuesday for at least a year. Um, with Father Leo. Father Leo was a certified counselor in addition to being a priest, which oh, made wow. him so. Um, and my folks insisted I go, but I didn't have to be pushed too hard. Yeah. Um, and Leo insisted that I go, but I didn't have to be pushed too hard. And made me do things like, that I'll never forget, that really helped like, I would say, you know, I'm really struggling with it. And he'd be like, well, what is it? Name it. What is it? Well, Mark's accident. And having to really, so seeing some of the things that he could do, that he did to help me come out of that, I'm just so grateful for. So I don't know if those are really Mark stories, but those are like, how, how do you be 18 and on your own? And how do you process that? You process that with help. Mm. You don't process that alone. That's how you do that. Yeah, well, that is exactly where I was going to go at the end here, which is how did you cope? How do you cope, right? So I'm not surprised to hear that you know, because back then therapy was, mm -hmm. it was out there, but mm -hmm. it still was a little mm -hmm. taboo for some people. So I'm not surprised to hear, because for you, I don't know that taboo is a thing for you. Yep. You, yep. you kind of make your own decision on things in, mm -hmm. in, a, in, a, in a wonderful way. Um, but, you know, um, how did you cope? How do you cope? Uh, Somebody in me... <sighs> I don't know. It's not my story, or it's not my analogy, and I don't even. Maybe it's even Della's. I don't know if that's true or not. Somebody said it, it, grief is like a big giant ball that sits inside the box that is your stomach, and when you, at, at first instance, it is a huge, huge ball, and you cannot help but have it bump bump against the sides of the box, mm -hmm. um, and when it bumps, it really, really hurts, and it's debilitating. I think that's true. And then they they say that the ball gets smaller. It doesn't go away and it doesn't hurt any less. The ball just gets smaller, so it bumps the sides less and less and less often. Wow. But the ball's always there. Yeah. Um, you just you work to help make the ball smaller, um, and so the ball's still there. I I, I cope. I str I struggled. There was a lot of things that I that I thought would be that were, um, you know, you we did the first we did the first family vacation to Ocean City, Maryland without him, and I think we we would we struggled. We we, we but we went. Yeah. And we went together and we tried hard yeah. and we gave it our best shot and there were good moments and there were hard moments. And um, so that's the first thing. We did the firsts. We just did the firsts. Um, and then um, 
Easter was really hard. I hated Easter until I met Lynn. I hated it. Yeah. I hated every second of it. Um, and then when when I met Lynn, it got a little better. And when we started having our girls, it got awesome again. Yeah. And so I think that, um, I think, uh, so doing the firsts and going through counseling and talking about it when I struggled, all of those things. So my parents were, my parents were fabulous. We talked about it a lot. Um, and we, um, still do, um, less because yeah. the ball's, the ball's still there. It's just a smaller ball now. Yeah. Um, but it's still there. Um, and it still hurts when it bumps the side. Um, so we do that and, and it's interesting now what's, what triggers the ball. Easter doesn't trigger the ball. Vacations don't trigger the ball. Um, like things like his hockey number 28 used to trigger the ball for me. My, my, my mom and him had a, a two cool things that they, they had always talked about. Um, what if you picked up every bit of change that you walked by over the course of your life? If you didn't step over the penny, you just bent down and picked it up. How much money would you make? Mm-hmm. Like how much? They're just a the thing that they. Have. So they started picking up change and yeah. keeping track. Um, and so since then, we've started doing that too. The, yeah. the the penny in particular, but change in general. And man, it's weird how often pennies show up. Yeah. They show up. They wow. show up in times that give you faith. And you know, and the contrarians appropriately would say, "Hey, man, it's just coincidence. Maybe, yeah. maybe it is." But the pennies have shown up at weird times and weird places, and in times when you really, really need the penny, and when you really, really need to be reminded that this is going to be okay. That helps. Hope helps. Um, and the the times where I really, really struggle um, are times now where there should be stuff that we do as a unit. Mm-hmm. We go to a baseball game and. There's no cousins there. Yeah. Uh, or we do we do Christmas and there's only cousins on the inside and there's no more cousins. On, those kind of, we we do family vacations or, or whatnot and and I feel like something's missing and that's hard. Um, I struggle I struggle with that um, because then the you know you feel like you're shouldering the the onus of of the missing and that's it may not always be fair but that's what I feel like. So I struggle really really hard with that. I don't struggle with talking about him. I don't struggle at hockey games. I don't struggle with. I struggle a lot with, man, he should be here. Or, yeah. man, wouldn't this be easier? Or wouldn't this be cooler? Or wouldn't this be bigger? Um, I struggle hard with that. I struggle hard like at our, when Lynn and I got married. I struggle hard that, that um, he should be given the best man toast. Yeah. And my cousin John stepped in and did, did a beautiful job. Um, and um, But those moments, that, that's, what, that's what the hard part. So, I, so how do you cope with that? You acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. This is hard. I'm struggling. It's really, really difficult. Um, and you acknowledge it and feel the like that book Tuesdays with more. You feel the emotion. Mm-hmm. You let the emotion wash over you. You acknowledge it, and then you cannot let that emotion own you for longer than um, is healthy and necessary. You have to put the emotion, let the emotion feel it and experience it, and then move on to the next one. I, it takes a whole lot of practice, but that's um, that's how I cope. I feel the emotion. I embrace the emotion, and then move to the next one. Yeah. Oh. Jesus. Well, it's well said, man, and not surprisingly so. So, so I have a take here. Mm-hmm. I have a take from all this, um, which is, you know, you said you would describe him as having quiet grit, mm-hmm. right? No doubt. And that you sometimes wish you had more of that. But as someone who's been your friend for 20-something years now, I would argue that you've had incredible amounts of quiet grit in terms of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that, I have never thought of that. Because, you know, I, I've always known in the back of my head that you had this trauma that I have nothing that compares to it. Nothing. And, but I've marveled at your enthusiasm for every day. I've marveled at your enthusiasm for really small things. <laughs> I love the positive energy you bring to everything you do. I've always assumed, like a lot of us assume, like that there's there had to be dark moments that I don't mm-hmm. see, oh, yeah. right? But I've also known that you're authentically excited for life mm-hmm. and authentically um, happy with mm-hmm. what there is to be happy about, right? And so I, part of what I've always marveled at is, man, how does Pete have all this in his history and yet live... The way I get to, I, I mm-hmm. live the same way in mm-hmm. many ways as you, but I don't have that level of trauma in my history. Yeah, so, a little bit. <laughs> I have a little bit, yeah, I've added some. I've added some, but that all worked out fine. But um, but no, I think I think that as a testament to your brother 
you've shown a lot of quiet grit in terms of moving forward in a positive way with your life. Um, and in the beginning, mm-hmm. you said, I don't mm-hmm. tell people about this because mm-hmm. I don't want to bring them down mm-hmm. and I don't want to change the tenor. And, mm-hmm. uh, if that's not the definition of quiet grit, my man. I appreciate that. I don't know what is. I, I don't know what is. Um, well, that was awesome hearing um, about Mark and your experience and your life with him. And uh, Love you, man. I'm sorry. Sorry this happened, but um, I admire how you've handled it. Um, now now I admire how you've handled all of it now that I know. I appreciate it. I love you too. And the, and the, the key is not alone. You know, the, the credit to... The credit to my friends and my and my my parents. God bless them. I just absolute. Uh, I mean, they could be a whole other podcast. Absolute because, saints. Yeah, um, yeah. In 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 the way that they uh, made sure that I was okay. They were able to recognize that there's there's a couple of things that need to be handled here. Yeah. Um. And 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 of key import was making sure that that Pete was okay. Um. Whatever you know, strategy that 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 needed. So for sure, not alone. There was a, a village, you know, yeah. a village of people yeah. that came together to be supportive. Yeah, and you know, I can't imagine. No one can imagine what your parents have been through, but I know they've been a big part of your life mm-hmm. the whole time, and that's mm-hmm. uh, that's fantastic. And I liked hearing this connection with Springfield College because you know there is there is something at Springfield College that really creates mm-hmm. devotion and mm-hmm. from afar we think oh it's a spirit mind body like mm-hmm. it's all this and um i know that that is important but clearly you have an even deeper devotion and loyalty. I, they, they had no business treating me the way that i was i was a freshman that nobody knew and my my track coach ken clack i held a moment of silence stop the track meet stop the varsity track meet in bowden maine at a moment of silence for my brother i was a mm. freshman that hadn't run a race yet oh man like how do you how do you how, who, like, how do you go up to the opposing coaches and go, hey, yeah, this guy who's not even on our team, we're gonna call timeout for? Like, yeah. every, every professor is just going, don't worry, you're just gonna be. Fun. You pick up yeah. when you come back and you're ready. You pick up your assignments. That's great. What kind? Of, what a what a what a place that um, preaches its mission. Yeah. And um, and as a result, you know, I'm I'm teased, especially at work, for how much I love Springfield yeah, College. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's. That, like, isn't that a model, man? Yeah. Like, man, that's how we should all be. What, yeah. what a wonderful, wonderful group of people that um, that took care of me at Springfield College, and and not just faculty, but my teammate Eric Kelly, Troy Jones, uh, you know, Bob and Phil, just wonderful, wonderful. I wrote an essay about there's a, a guy, one of the juniors on the team, Troy Jones, who came at, at that. I don't know how he found out. I wrote an essay. We had, the assignment, I know we're dragging on. The assignment was write an essay about one moment. You got to do three pages and about one second of your life, and take that one second and extrapolate it, yeah. and really give it description. And I picked. I, th- I hope that I sent it to him. I think I did about the moment that Troy Jones found out that Pete Gillen's brother passed away, and he burst into Leo's office, drenched, drenched in sweat and some stupid lifeguard shirt because. You know, it was college. And came in and just came in and get a big hug to me, and then right over to my mother, and then right over. And he, we got him. We're gonna take care. He, uh, what kind of what beautiful people come out of there? Yeah. And so I did. A, I did a long bit on that moment. I, I will never forget that moment. where like, and he did, and yeah. try, and and so did a lot of people. Artie and Eric and and Brian and uh, Shannon. All these all these people took incredible care of me. Because that's just who they were. It was yeah. amazing. That's awesome. All right, we're going to end on a different note completely. Okay. okay. So, well, I can't believe we've gone this far without mentioning that you have four daughters. I do. Emily, yeah. Molly, Maggie, and Aaron. I can't. It yep. always sounds like the Goodwill hunting yep. moment for yep. me. Um, and, I, you know, even even us finding the moment to do this is, yep. is never easy. It was a bit... Right? Because we both have a lot going yep. on. Yep. Um but nothing more so than you having four daughters. You, uh, you I mean, you had something cooking. You had a, you had a heart attack when we yeah, had this yeah, scheduled yeah. last time. That's but right. That's right. right. I, did, I bailed. I bailed. <laughs> I bailed on that. Um, but, okay. So I want you to say the oldest one's name, age, and one thing you love about her. Emily, nine, sweet as pie. Second oldest. Molly, seven, and has the Biggest heart of any human I've ever met. Third oldest. Maggie, or Megan is her given name. We call her Maggie, is five. And she is 
hysterically mischievous. <laughs> yes. And the young one. And Aaron is two. Um, and I would, the, if I only got one word, I would say impish because she's just got a little bit of, she's too smart for her own good. Yeah. A little, little grin um, that, that just sets the world on fire. Ugh. Well, they're awesome girls, man. You're doing a fantastic job. And Lynn is also helping raise you at the same time. So that, <laughs> she's the captain of our so, shit, man. So none, of, none of this, none of this happens without Lynn. So that's good. Nine, seven, five, <laughs> and two. So all my other friends and family, when you think tomorrow's going to be challenging in your life, remember that Pete has four daughters. Nine, seven, five, and two. We're good. And they make it. And they make it. We're good, baby. They make it work. I love it. Uh, well, I love you, man. Thank you so much for sharing that. Love you too. It was great. And uh, thanks for joining us here on the My Tribe podcast. Keep it moving, yeah, yeah, to the K-I-L. Ain't got no time for shucking and jiving. Uh, keep it moving, yeah, yeah. Keep it moving, yeah, yeah, to the K-I-L. Keep it moving, true that, to the K-I-L. Ain't got no time for shucking and jiving. Uh.